Transition partners take mental health very seriously. We are now supporting Claro Mental Health Charity, who are local and based in Harrogate. We are working closely with Richard Kenny, who is the IT director at Tech Buyer. Claro operates as a commercial workshop making goods for businesses, which enable those with long-term mental health conditions to function in a voluntary real work environment. We would love it if you can join us in supporting this amazing cause and charity and donate what you can any any amount will be greatly appreciated thank you very much and thanks to all our listeners hello everyone and welcome to the let's talk leadership podcast so today we have the fantastic Aaron kumar krishna kumar who is a partner at delphos international delphos international is a boutique financial advisor pro- providing project finance and trade finance services to companies operating in the global emerging markets. We first came across Arun as he was recently listed in the top 100 Asian stars UK tech list 2020, which is absolutely amazing. And we cannot wait to have him here today on the podcast to learn all about his fascinating journey. Hello, Arun. Nice to meet you. Hi, Ali. Thanks for having me here. And thanks, Sandra, as well. Hi, Arun. It's um, it's nice to get you um, on the podcast. We had a an interesting chat just before um, Christmas, didn't we? And um, although it's um, difficult, I've had a lot of food and wine since then. <laughs> so, um, it'd be really good to start to kick things off to find out a bit more about you and your journey. Um, you know, where, where I guess where you, how everything started for you, and how you got to to where you are today. Because you've got a, a great background. Interesting. You, I understand that you've been like board member at a number of different businesses. So it'd be really interesting to hear all about that. Sure. So my background. Um, I'm from a village in South India. Um, uh, lived there for about twenty odd years and uh, moved to the UK in two thousand five uh, for one of my projects. Um, where I was uh, kind of leading a data integration project for a GE. Uh, they had acquired a couple of firms and they, they were bringing the data together. I used, I've always been a data person within financial services, being uh, be it consumer finance, uh, capital markets, and towards the end of the ca- uh, towards the end of my corporate career, I was part of uh, PwC's uh, data analytics leadership team there, and uh, we were uh, looking at everything from chief data officer advisory to kind of cutting edge um, data analytics. So um, my corporate career was until I think 2014, 15, but uh, I was, I don't, I I don't think I was ever a corporate guy. It took quite a lot of time for me to uh, figure out or discover myself. I I think I went through that process in 2012, uh, 13. Um, I knew I I was, I was into data. I was into technology, uh, but I knew there was something missing um, in, in, in my uh, mother tongue, we call the word tadal, which is you're searching for something, but you really don't know what you're searching for. But you know what you got now is not really what you want. And and, um, and I went through a bunch of interviews, actually, I interviewed about, I reached out to about 100 and odd people, interviewed about 50 people, uh, right from bankers, private equity folks, venture capitalists, uh, people in um, academia, just wanted to understand what their day life or, or kind of uh, day at work looked look like, uh, just to understand what they did and figured out um, where I wanted to head to and where I could head to as well. Uh, at that mm-hmm. time, I was, a, I was a dev lead at uh, Barclays Capital. Um, and uh, and I, I knew I wanted to move on from, from being that uh, 
building empires within uh, within within a corporate uh, uh, environment wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I had so much untapped energy, which I could actually and potential that I could I could I kind of tap into. So it took me from that point. It took me about three three and a half years in, with PwC being part of that. Uh, a couple of years there at PwC um, to kind of get into a proper startup-ish space. Um, I started with an angel syndicate in 2014-15 times. And uh, we did, a, uh, I think we did four deals within a matter of six six months in 2015, which kind of That's told amazing. us we were pretty good at uh, deal making. And mm-hmm. uh, that was, we were amateurs at the time. I'm still an amateur in some sense when I when I look at <laughs> the really proven um, investors. Um and uh, and after that, we 2016 gave us a bit of confidence to go in and set up a fund. We went through the process. So since 2016, I've been a part of two funds. Um, so mm-hmm. far, we've uh, I've invested in 20 uh, startups, both as as a VC, uh, a rather institutional um, investor, and also as a as an angel. Is that investor. in the is that in the UK or? Largely in the UK, I've got a few in the US, one in India as well. Um, I mean, it it really depends. I mean, the way I go about my investment is when I get a deal that I really love, I put it in front of my investment committee. We go through the standard due diligence process. And if if it if the deal doesn't get through the due diligence, and if I really believe in the deal, I just put my monies in saying, I'm going to invest. If you guys don't uh, want to invest, that's fine. I'm going to invest my personal money. So that's mm-hmm. how some of these angel investments have come about. Uh, mm-hmm. But what has also happened is sometimes when I invest my personal monies after I uh, know from the IC, these deals come back to the IC and clear the IC the second time around. So mm-hmm. we've, we've had deals like that as well. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's been a wonderful journey. Um, in the process, I've been uh, an official board member of a bunch of firms, uh, unofficially advise, still advise quite a lot of my uh, startups that I work with, um, don't work with as well. Uh, so it's I find mm-hmm. that quite exciting. Um, that's what I tell uh, my, my colleagues, two things really kind of even after a really bad day, two things really kind of pep me up, which is one, going back home uh, when we used to have that routine, going back home and seeing the little girls come and hug me uh, at the door, that number one. Number two, speaking to mm-hmm. an entrepreneur who's so super driven uh, with with something that he's he or she's got kind of uh, who's passionate about, and then that that really is um, is really what drives me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, over the last three four years, I've also been um, creating a lot of content, and I'm sure you've seen uh, started a podcast about three years ago. That's going well. Um, I did three years of. Um, uh, blogging uh, for daily fintech which is actually the second largest uh, fintech blog uh, blog or um, uh, yeah fintech blog in the world um, mm-hmm. or six, second most read fintech blog in the world rather um, I, I did about 150 articles or 150 posts there at the back of which I got an offer to write for my first book um, wow. so someone reached out to me um, not someone the, the, the publisher reached, reached out a publishing house reached out to me saying hey, we would like to do a book with you on blockchain. And then one thing mm-hmm. led to the other. And my first book was on quantum computing and blockchain in a business um, context. Um, I published the book in March this year. And uh, at the back of which, again, I got an offer for the second book. But this time it was, um, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a, even a crazier ride because from the point of the idea hitting me, it was, I think, a- April 7th or 8th. Uh, to the point of actually closing the contract with a publisher, it's it was three weeks. 
by 24th, um, I had... Uh, That's super quick, isn't it, for a deal like that? They normally yeah, take because, like months and even years. That was because it was topical, because we were getting into a crisis. The whole world was uh, yeah, saying true. It, And the book was about crisis management for startups. Um, oh, there we go. So... <laughs> I had, other, yeah, I had one other. Yeah, uh, I had one other. Very good timing. I, I really wanted to write about, um, which was on climate change and fintech, um, but uh, that was quite niche in in many eyes, in the eyes of many publishers. And I kind of mm-hmm. knocked on. I, I was quite. I still am passionate about writing that book. Um, mm-hmm. But quite, I had a few interviews lined up for that as well, but um, publishers didn't think that was uh, that would that had enough uh, audience. So I had to look for slightly more broader topics. And, and as soon as I, on April 8th, it hit me. I, I think I have the paper where on the back of the, it was a large envelope and I wrote the pro- proposal uh, content on it. It should have it somewhere in my, near my desk. Um, and I basically kind of wrote it up and then, then digitalized it and sent it out to uh, this particular publisher I was introduced to, uh, Wiley. Um, and uh, I, I got introduced to them on a Monday. I spoke to the acquisition editor on a Thursday by the following Thursday, we had the contract signed. So wow. it was like crazy quick. And we've, uh, this happened um, in April, end of April. We've, we are publishing it hopefully in the next few weeks. So it's all, it's all done and dusted now. How nice. exciting. What a year for you. It's been good. What a, yeah, what a journey. Like, it's just, I, I don't, I mean, I would love to find out so much more about each and every bit of that that journey that you've just described it's um I'll be here all day asking you questions <laughs> um interesting what's um what what was it that got you initially into because you said you moved from South India to the UK with GE um and um so how did all that kind of I think what would be really interesting to find out is how all that kind of came about and then um and, and what was it that's really driven you to have such an amazing, successful career? And I know, obviously, you mentioned your your family and coming home to the girls. But I mean, way back, you know, kind of, I guess, from childhood and growing up, what did you want to be? What did you want to do? What's given you that kind of grit to, to get to where you are, I think, would be really interesting. I mean, uh, it took me about 30 years to figure out what I really wanted to be. Um, uh, I, I, I didn't know. I just went with the flow. Um, and, uh, the, the Indian system is such that it's, it's, it just locks you into a particular path. It's a very, uh, uh, single dimensional career path. I had until I was about 30 years old or something like that. Um, and, uh, I think, um, but, but I always felt that wasn't, uh, that wasn't my, my route. Um, and, what what really got me here? I think I I just have uh, I just am ambitious. That's that's probably the reason. I mean, uh, when you have fire in the backside, uh, I mean that's what I look for. Whenever I kind of even hire people, um, I don't just look for past uh, uh, kind of accolades and and, and projects and successes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk to someone, you know the energy they bring to the table, the enthusiasm with which they describe the the project and when you see that kind of fire in them, you know that they have a lot more to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that kind of is what, 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 who I am. That's what has got me to where I am. Um, the other thing I would also say is, I mean, sometimes it's not seen as the most uh, business savvy thing to do, but 
I always tend to leave a little bit more, little bit more on the table than I take. Um, um, I think that's always helped me. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and goodwill never kind of fails you in the long run. Um, and it helped me time, time again. So I think yeah. it'll be those two, I guess. I'm uh, very, very similar to that, aren't I, Hilly? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really lovely. It's good to hear. And obviously yeah. it served you really well. Yeah, no, extremely well. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um, it'd be really good then to kind of, obviously, this is a, a leadership podcast. You've, you you touched then on um, hiring and you've obviously grown businesses you've invested in businesses you've um you know you, you focused on startups etc it'd be really really interesting to then kind of move on and, and talk about your leadership style um what, what makes you what 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 you think makes a good leader um and I guess the challenges maybe some talk about some of the challenges that you've experienced because I don't think that there's very few people out there that are like natural born leaders. It's something that we're continuously learning, um, you know, and we, we, we get it, we're all human. We get it wrong sometimes, don't we? But it'd be really interesting for our listeners and viewers to hear more about your style and your challenges and experiences and, and I guess how they can learn from your experiences. Sure. I mean, um, in, in a traditional B-school term, if you ask for a leadership style, I would probably say I'm very collaborative. I've never believed in a hierarchical organization. Um, I'm, I'm, for me, it's, I mean, right from, um, we, we've got all these designations, even at Delphos International, right from analysts, associates, and VP, mm-hmm. directors, and all that. I've never believed in all that, um, which is why I, I didn't really fit into a large corporate because I, I I would just walk into an MD's office when I was a nobody in Barclays Capital and upset all the directors and the VPs in between in between and they would like who the hell are you man why do you get into talking to why do you get to talk to an MD when I'm here in between you and, uh, and him so um, and I'm like yeah and I, I didn't believe in someone else um, appraising me or giving me feedback in the sense as if they sit on top of me and they get to judge me I'm like no you you don't get to judge me and funnily enough, most of them are nobodies these days. Uh, when I look back and see, I mean, what have mm. they done in their careers in the last mm. 15, 20 years? Uh, it may come across as pompous when I say this, but you generally, all of us tend to do that when we go back to LinkedIn and say, okay, I work for this, this person and he was, he was, a, uh, he was a badass. And, um, and, and, and how, how, how has he or she done in, the, in, in, in their career? And if you've done better than them, you know, okay, uh, that, that's nice. You feel a bit of a, um, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, what, I, don't, I don't have the word. It's just like self-rewarding, isn't it? And, Sorry? Yeah, just, so I guess like self-rewarding, isn't it? It's nice. Yeah, it just feels nice. It, it just feels good. Um, but um, <laughs> in terms of uh, leadership itself, I think uh, what I would probably say is um, uh, collaborative uh, leadership, but when you believe in what you're doing and when you're really driving towards or following your uh, passions, uh, there are things that you tend to do um, that a, a nine to five person can't do. Mm. Uh, if you're looking at, I mean, um, mm. if you're looking at your job as a job, as a work, uh, as work, then uh, it's hard for you to do certain things as a leader. Whereas when it is fun, when it is, uh, it, it feels like play when you're doing actual work. Um, you, you do a lot of things which which a normal um, uh, employee 
um, work or uh, doesn't do. So uh, I think that's when you start setting example, but when you start inspiring people around you, you build that trusted network around you, a trusted community around you that naturally follows you. Um, and that's what I think I've, I've, I've been blessed with, um, over, especially over the course of the last five years since I started probably starting to write um, on daily fintech kind of turn things around for me in many ways, because I I started to understand the relationship that I had to build with my community. Um, when I say community, I'm not talking about the, the personal community. I'm talking about the professional community. Mm-hmm. Um, and these days, those line, lines are super blurred anyways. We are all on WhatsApp. Uh, so um, so uh, I think that the community building exercise, being relevant to them, uh, helping them where they need and taking help from them where you need it. I think those things really bring, uh, bring the whole community together and when you're seeing seen as doing things that others either don't have the ability to do or need resources to do or the passion and the drive to do, you naturally become a leader. I think that's 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 what I would say. I think clearly listening to you, those are good vibes and goodwill that you've been putting out to the community is um has been a huge key part for your success and where you are today, which is incredible. But I think we'd all be a bit naive if, if we kind of thought there wasn't any bumps along the road um, during that time. So I'd love to dig a little deeper if you can tell us about like one example of maybe a particular project that went well or something or maybe one of your investments, for example, didn't quite turn out as how you think and how you learned from that. And it shaped you as a leader um, and a professional moving forward. Well, I've, I've had several failures um, along the way and and. Uh, Fortunately for me, it, most of them have been data collection exercises, um, except one, of course, and I'll describe that. Because, um, for instance, I got into Oxford Site Business School. The world sees that. But I got rejected by London Business School. I lot got rejected by Cambridge. But in the process, I learned a lot. And someone told me, if you really are planning to get into a B school, try to get to the place where you will get to, with the help of the B school, actually, without having the B school uh, in your, in your uh, career. So get that without that and then apply for it and you will get it. And that was a very mm-hmm. valuable advice. I, I kind of, um, and you get these really good data, uh, this, 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 these kind of data points across, um, 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 across failure, uh, failures or probably setbacks in some, in, in some sense. But for me, the biggest, probably the, the worst point or the lowest point of my career was, 2017, probably 20, to the end of 2017, uh, mid 2017 to mid 2018. Um, it was pretty crazy because a bunch of things happened, both personal and professional. Um, professional, I kind of, uh, uh, my first fund, the one I was doing, um, uh, we kind of, uh, the, the partnership was starting to uh, creak uh, mm-hmm. because we, the partners didn't start, didn't, didn't, start, didn't see eye to eye. We, we started to kind of, um, we didn't work in sync. There were lots of lot of things said and done, but from both ends, which which weren't right. And uh, the way I exited that, I could have done it more uh, more gracefully. I kind of um, uh, kind of um, what what is the right word? I did it quite aggressively, um, mm-hmm. and that was a bit of naivety. Now looking back and say like, why did I do that? Could have been a lot more nicer in the way I came out of that situation. Um, it was the right decision to move on, uh, without a doubt. But yeah. uh, the the execution was bad. The way way I went about it was bad. Um, I think that that was uh, the biggest learning. So that's been the biggest learning. And 
I, that kind of coincided with my mother actually falling into depression as well, which kind of shook the whole family at that time. So it was a very hard year for me to focus what I was going to do, uh, both in my career and my personal life and mm-hmm. getting things I had. Uh, my, my second daughter was one year old um, and my first one was three years old, three, three and a half years old. So it was a very difficult time for me to kind of navigate through the, the those 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened was, uh, it was a blessing. I, I, I got stuck by chickenpox in June 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was quarantined for about two weeks in a room with just a laptop and a mobile phone and internet. And I would get a plate of uh, food every, every, every meal would just arrive. And uh, it was, it was, uh, uh, I wasn't allowed to go downstairs, talk to the I mean, So you managed to keep it separate from the girls and the girls didn't get Yeah, yeah, to... I had my own oh, wow. room and, right, and okay. got fed for two weeks without, without uh, being disturbed. You practiced isolation before you needed to. Yeah. Exactly. But it gave me a lot of time to think about what I was going to do next. Yeah. Um, some of, sometimes you need that break. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need that break to reflect on what's gone wrong, what you could have done better, what you should be doing in future. And I think from that point on, I kind of things started to turn around and I, I, I got quite a lot of things right. Um, um, the podcast was the next step uh, and, and uh, Green Show's launch happened about three, four months after that. We were already planning that, but getting through that was quite an important, uh, uh, quite an important milestone, getting Green Show's launched and then doing a bunch of deals through Green Show's fund, first fund. All these things, when you do deals, when you close deals, when you take these deals to closure, it kind of gives you a sense of satisfaction. It's, yeah. it's amazing. And the confidence as well, I'm sure. Absolutely. Because when you, when you get hit by these, this avalanche of um, uh, setbacks, rather, um, you start having self-doubts. Uh, you, you can be the best optimist in the world, biggest optimist in the world. You still are going to get hit by self-doubt when these things happen. So it was a tough period, but I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm now uh, way, way off from that point. You learn from it, which is the main thing. And, it, and it, that certainly resonates and that's fantastic to hear. Um, I'd love to know, you spoke initially before about how much the community plays a key role in what you do now. It's your success um, all that goodwill aspect as well, which is brilliant. But for a lot of leaders who aren't currently involved so much in the community, it'd be fantastic to hear some like tips of how you would recommend they go about it and how you, uh, your personal journey within the wider sort of community evolved. Um, yeah, so the community angle, there, there, when you, there are multiple um, ways you can, um, uh, you, you can define the community. When I, when I said that, I, I do do a lot of community work uh, in the sense um, I'm involved with Dharam Foundation, which is which is a water uh, conservation organization based out of South India. But apart from that, I, I'm also um, um, I'm quite involved in the startup space here. Uh, most people who know me know that I'm quite approachable. Um, I spend time with startups when when there is nothing much in in it for me. Um, I've done that across several startups in the last five, six, seven years. So, uh, and uh, I think, I think that's definitely, so there are two, two, two definitions of communities here. Um, for me, the reason I went about doing it was, as I said, in 2012, there was a point where I was looking for what was I passionate about, what, what, what they want to do, do next. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, I think 2017, 2018, that period gave me something, a sense of uh, perception um, to put things into 
not uh, i mean it put things into perspective for me mm-hmm. basically um showing me what was missing uh, after i kind of got to the vc space yeah um i felt there was passion but there was a lack of purpose um so when you have both passion and purpose checking both the boxes kind of gives mm-hmm. you both satisfaction from a from a career perspective but also you know you're feeding your soul um those were the, those were the reasons i kind of started getting into those community activities but whenever i kind of give uh, an hour or two uh, to a to a startup where i know that i'm not getting anything anything for it i at least yeah. feel okay i've done something good today it just fills me with um with that that sense of satisfaction helps me as well so both these sense of community both both these communities are important for me doing giving back to the society as a community but also giving back to the uh, community of uh, professionals that you work with mm-hmm. i think that's important as well um what what should others uh, do to get there i mean i think the world actually should start looking at um, more of um uh think beyond i mean think beyond just money right um and and it's it's easy for me to say that because uh, money is not the only criteria for me in career today i i have to think i can think of other things i have the luxury to think of other yeah. things mm-hmm. but the more at least get to a point where money is not the only thing that you look for uh, in your career uh, ideally find a career where you don't have to worry about uh, passion where you are already passionate about you just you just have to then go do it have fun and make money you know, that's the easiest way to do it but mm-hmm. if you if you haven't been blessed with that and if you have to go through a career pivot um at least find a point where, where when uh, passions uh sorry when money is not just what you want when you want to kind of feed your soul or or find purpose whatever and and try to make that uh, pivot uh, mm-hmm. i find so many people coming to me and kind of they creep to me all all day long i mean when i say many people it's largely my friends saying hey i'm so tired of my work i'm so tired of my um kind of my corporate job i'm so tired of my highly paid jobs the job highly paid job and how do you do this i'm like it takes uh, it's taken me a decade to get to where i am from 2010 2012 it's 2021 you really so, enjoy it and your passion and it's you know it's yeah it's like it's second nature to you isn't it and it's fun like you said before really just um sorry one last quick question when you took that time out in 2012 and you took some time out so financially you took a big step back how long did you take out i didn't take time off but i think when i when i took a financial hit uh, my salary went down by 40% or something yeah and you took a step back to make and to that consciously yeah. just to work out what you wanted to that's fantastic yeah. i mean yeah it's, it's clearly paid off so brilliant mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i think it's paid off but um i mean the yeah so that's what i tell my friends i mean just stop talking and start doing right yeah. think about it if you can't do anything about it stop dribbling uh so it's 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 very important to uh act execute uh, execution is everything as as most people say right so you can have all wonderful ideas of becoming a superstar in whatever you're doing but if you don't do there if you don't go through the process um you're not going to see any progress fantastic Um, I wouldn't mind finding out a little bit more about your um, podcast. So you set that up three years ago. You said, "What? What? Why? What? What made you set it up? Where did the idea come from? Tell us a bit more about what what it's about and what's involved." 
So it came from the chicken box episode. Um, so uh, <laughs> I was thinking through uh, stuff that I wanted to be and I wanted to do and creating this community. I, I, I felt that I wasn't very well plugged into this community of professionals that I really wanted to be part of. Um, I already was an investor at that time. I, was, I, I had returned for daily fintech for about two years by then. So people knew me. Uh, or rather uh, people knew of me, but they really didn't uh, feel I was part of the community. So I wanted to create that vibes. And that's when I started to, the podcast was really a, really an excuse to put some time in people's diaries and talk to them. Um, uh, but I wanted to do it in a space that I really cared about. So we started with blockchain and financial inclusion. So we spoke mm -hmm. to people across the world in Africa, in Southeast Asia, in, in Latin America, um, in, in of course the developed parts of the markets as well. Uh, doing some really cool uh, blockchain projects and driving financial inclusion at scale. So that was really awesome. Um, post that, um, what, excuse me, what also happened was um, uh, the first, first series, season was, I did it with Effie uh, Pilarino, who's a blockchain influencer. Um, uh, and uh, at the end of that uh, season, I was actually off to um, to the US for, for, for a family uh, vacation. And I, I met with Theo, who's another FinTech uh, a lead thought leader as well. She runs her own startup as well. Um, and uh, we were talking about different things. We met, met for coffee and then she was really passionate about um, uh, the fact that, or she was really worried about the fact that innovation is not being um, delivered enough for the baby boomers, for the older population of the world. Um, it's largely focused on the millennials and the Gen Zs. So we said, why don't we talk about that? Why don't we create a podcast season for that, a series for that? And we did that. We called it uh, Shades of Grey. And, uh, and mm -hmm. it, it went well as well. So we, we actually uh, brought in uh, people from um, Amazon Alexa's platform, some really top people in, 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 um, in the uh, voice uh, and, and, and really technology space where there's relevance to the older population. Mm. What, is, what is the use case? How can they benefit from that? So it was, it was a pretty good journey. And then we've said, okay, let's move on to um, Asia. Asia, we wanted to do a, because she's, she's from originally from Hong Kong. I'm from India. We thought, okay, let's do a Asia episode. So we did a red envelope episode, oh, sorry, a red envelope series. Um, that, that was good. So we've, we've been doing series, but over the past, past 18 months, we've stopped doing series and we just kind of invite people along and, and kind of have a conversation. Um, I'm, I, I should, I should admit that I'm not like super active on the podcast as a host anymore. I, I do one, one episode a month, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Theo and Brad, Brad have large, Theo and Brad have largely taken over the, the day to day, um, uh, ops doing the podcast. So, uh, but, but it's, it's, it's been an amazing journey now knowing these people. Talking. Well, the beauty of it is, is people can access your older content anyway. So if people wanted to search for that, then how do they, how would they find the podcast? So it's, it's called One Vision. So um, uh, it's on Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, the usual usual uh, platforms. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. We'll put the link on it as well when we post. Thank you. Kick the kids out. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So it would be good. Um, a question I've got for you, which I think would be a good one for you to answer, is around what do you feel the excited about with the future of tech? So many trends that I see, um, it's very hard to zoom in on one trend that um, mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to. But um, very personally, I want tech to really 
uh, drive social impact. Mm. If if the one thing that I want to see happen in the next twenty years, that's just that's the that's that. I don't care about AI. I don't care about blockchain. I don't care about quantum computing. I don't care about all the other technology jargons that we see here all the time. What I really care about is how are you affecting the farmer in Africa? How are you changing the women entrepreneur in Brazil? How are you changing mm-hmm. the life of this um, the, the roadside shop in India? Um, and then how are you making sure that they feel part of the the, the global technology uh, or they are digitally and financially included? And 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 how are you uplifting their lives? I Love think that. that's that's really what I want to uh, what I'm really looking for. Technology can do that, and that's really yeah. what I want to uh, see happen. That's fantastic. The tech for good piece is certainly one one that we're trying to help support and clients in that space when and where we can, because obviously transition partners, if we can play a small part in that as well, that's that's what we want to be able to do. So that's fantastic to hear. And in some sense, it's also in alignment to what we do at Delphos, right? So just going back to the Delphos um, um, man or rather thesis. Uh, they've been in business for 32 years, or uh, rather we've been in business for, it's still sinking in. I've, mm. been, I've been there for three months now. So um, we've been in business for 32 years and um, and we've done financing of about 12 billion um, across uh, emerging markets. Um, but it's not just technology. We've done it across multiple sectors, um, infrastructure, renewables, um, agriculture, um, uh, you name it. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm actually trying to create the create the uh, practice to actually focus more on or the business to focus more on technology, not just in deal making but also internally. So what what can we do uh, to to drive more of this finance, um, both debt equity, debt and equity, and probably we also do MES as well. So um, all these different types of financing options, how can we deliver it for technology to grow within emerging markets? That's my role. And um, yeah, I've been talking been talking to my uh, partner John Toshak on on um, I think we spoke on fourth I think a couple of days back, and mm-hmm. we were discussing this really, which is this year is going to be pretty pretty, pretty crucial for us because uh, we are really kind of um, getting to a point where we can accelerate uh, in a big way within the organization to to drive huge number of deals in this space. When I say mm-hmm. deals, investments um, into technology. Uh, opportunities in emerging markets there's such a wide variety of opportunities here it's it's just amazing that uh, there's not enough investments available for these uh, for these opportunities and one of the things you always see in emerging markets is there are problems to solve all around you it's not a super efficient market like the UK or the US Mm. you walk down the road you will find 10 opportunities that you can fix and each one is a business idea. So that is so much potential. And that's that's why I often say, when we look at firms in the UK and US, when we do, do, do due diligence on these firms, mm-hmm. we look for the USP and all that, right? How differentiated mm-hmm. are you? Um, mm-hmm. wh- wh- why can't uh, another firm just start the same thing and kind of overtake you in that and, and make you um, obsolete? Um, but you don't typically have that those worries in India. If there are like, five agriculture, agri-tech startups, the sixth yeah. one comes in. The market is so huge. There's so many so many inefficiencies in the agriculture ecosystem in India that you can just keep doing this for another 10, 15, 20 years and you will still see more opportunities. So that's what is so exciting. But also yeah. this, that's what I'm really looking forward to for the next 10, 15 years. 
it's amazing to be able to play a role in that real impact, which is incredible. So yeah, I love that. You're back, Sandra. Fantastic. I know. Sorry, I lost this to where we are. Oh, it's a day, what are we on? Day two or three of lockdown. The internet is absolutely shocking at my house. So I can't believe we're back, back here where we were in March last year. Fantastic. Um, sorry, apologies. I don't know where we got to. Um, you're, you're fine to ask a couple, couple more if you um, want. I just okay. asked about future of tech. Fantastic. Brilliant. Great. So um, yeah. one thing that I think could be really interesting, and obviously it's a really hot topic at the moment, um, is mental health and well-being. Um, obviously, 2020 has um, had a big, um, you know, big impact on that for everyone. Um, and it's been heightened, you know, anyone that had anxiety, it's heightened, been heightened. Anyone that didn't have it has got it now. Um, you've obviously, um, at, we haven't talked in detail how much kind of effort and the hours that you put into what you do, but I can't imagine you've got to where you've got to by just doing nine five or nine six or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm sure you've put a hell of a lot of hours in into you know along the way in your, on your journey. How do you deal with the whole stress and the pressure and the anxiety and you know how do you manage? All the stress of everything that you that you do what what tips have you got for for others um i mean the tip i have is that uh, if the work that you do stresses you out you shouldn't be doing that anymore that's not practical um for me <laughs> the hard work has paid off and it does it didn't feel like hard work because i've enjoyed every step of the way i mean like through the holidays i was working through i i, I probably spent I, I got three days off uh, towards the end of last year but yeah. um, I took three days off rather uh, but I was working throughout um, Christmas I on Christmas day I was working so uh, I, I you mentioned earlier when you're on holiday in America and you met someone for work I thought oh I wonder how the family like <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean uh, the lockdown has helped that if there wasn't enough uh, uh, if, if the COVID situation wasn't that we would probably be in 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 a part of the world which was warmer and and, and yeah. spent all mm. we've done that for the last four years continuously this year we've missed out um so so yeah so that's probably what has kept me going and it doesn't apply for everyone um what i i mean and one of the things i have to say when you talk about mental health is that when i started writing my second book the first set of the first uh, draft of the proposal didn't have mental health in there but the more I spoke to people, um, mm. I, I interviewed about 50 people across the world, VCs and CEOs for the, for the book. Mm -hmm. And the more I spoke to them, the more I realized that mental health was such a big topic. And I dedicated one whole chapter for, for mental health and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and executive coaching as well. So it's, it's uh, super important. It's not spoken about, especially in the startup space, because um, unlike a nine to five job, nine to five corporate job, um, in a startup space, you're doing like 80 hours a week, probably more. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have this concept of holidays as, as uh, you're, you're a workaholic, but you also have to deal with a lot of rejections. Um, and you go to investors, you speak to 10 of them, you get in rejected by nine of them, you get accepted by one of them. But to get to that one success, you've got to get nine rejections or setbacks. To be able to take all that and to still keep going and um, especially when lots of these entrepreneurs when they get into this journey for the initial time initial uh, initial 
a couple of years they don't have any track record they the, they have to show that or they have to show they are doing the right thing for themselves their families and their careers to their families mm-hmm. and their own friends mm-hmm. and the little community they belong to there's so much peer pressure there's so much pressure from the community uh if you're married it it's it's a whole different ball game um uh so i've seen so many people go through this and the the easiest solution to this is make mental health part of your routine um we go to the gym and work out uh, to to bulk up or get uh, slimmer um even when you're not facing any heart issues you 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 are expecting that in 10 years time 15 years time 20 years time you you preventing it rather than wanting to cure it the same thing applies for mental health as well mm-hmm. there are uh, some startups i spoke to actually had a really good idea which is um we have a employee benefit which is an app mental health app that all our employees get and they have to do x number of hours on it per month they can do x number of hours on it per month and and that was pretty cool and every organization in the world has to do that yeah and we just started looking into actually i've heard about it um i think i saw it on a social media platform and it looks really good yeah so that's that's where the world is going so um yeah. we're asking for a solution that's what i would say uh most people can't afford um uh, 200 300 hour of uh, per hour of exact coaching or coaching, yeah. expensive expensive uh, yeah. therapy sessions but there are ways to get uh, get along without actually having to go to get to the point of um, where you are actually practically breaking down and uh, by the time you realize you got there you're already deep into deep into trouble right um, mm. it's like dehydration by the time you realize you you're thirsty you are already dehydrated um uh, so you've got to make it part of your operational activity on a day to day basis just like you start your day with a bottle of water at your desk and make sure that you finish that by the end of the day you've got to do the same thing with mental health uh when you look after yourself in, and especially in these times when you look after yourself uh doing these things it it helps in the long run yeah yeah fantastic um I'd love for you then just to give your book a little plug around the crisis management piece. Let's talk a little bit about that and, and you've mentioned it mentioned mental health um and the exact coaching but tell us a little bit I guess a little bit of a blurb around the book and and so give the listeners an opportunity to find out more about that. Sure. So the reason I I the, the idea came to me was I was at a panel uh, I think it was just before the the lockdowns happened in London. um it was a panel for women founders um we basically uh, uh we were discussing the challenges the, that women founders were particularly having in in raising funds and not being treated equally by the investor uh, community and all that uh but at the end of the process or the other the speaking on stage and it just got off the stage and I, we had quite a lot of people approach us uh, the people on the on the panel and uh, i was one of them and there were so many questions anxious questions on hey how is this going to happen and and if covid hits us what how is the investor how are investors looking at it will you stop investing um and and stuff like that it was very clear that they were quite anxious about what is what lies ahead for their uh, for their organization and for themselves as entrepreneurs so that kind of stuff here got me thinking and i said okay if and and some of them are quiet seasoned entrepreneurs they are not like um uh, uh graduates out of uh, yeah. engineering trying to do something fancy 
So um, this this kind of got me thinking. I said, okay, maybe I should think about this. Initially, I said, okay, I'm going to write a set of articles, thinking through different aspect of aspects of crisis management. Put it on LinkedIn. That was the initial, the first step. But at the same time, I got introduced to Wiley, and my ambitions, of course, grew. Um, and I said, okay, I got greedy, and I said, okay, if I can write a series of articles, I can definitely write a book. And if I spoke to a lot of people, practitioners along like me, um, they would have. Got, they would have gone through some of these things and they would give me a lot more insights about crisis management. So that's really kind of where it took off. Um, in terms of the, the, the thesis for the book, um, I really wanted to have uh, throw light on three, three, key pil- uh, three key pillars or themes mm-hmm. for the book. One is the macroeconomic aspect of uh, doing business, right? When I say macroeconomics, it's not GDP or uh, yeah. currencies or anything. It's just about... You belong in a capital, uh, in a in a capitalist society. You you're part of this society. You've got to understand how it works. Um, most entrepreneurs I work with cannot think of a way of funding other than VC funding, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even my own portfolio firms don't think about it. And I have mm-hmm. to tell them there is a lot more to funding. There's a lot more beyond just VC funding, right? So the, this 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 capitalist. Uh, setup you've got to understand that setup so that you can tap into mm-hmm. the right pool of capital the yeah. right pool of um, um uh, yeah the right pool of advisors and support that you can you can get out of that infrastructure so that is that is the first theme the second theme is of course mental health uh i i, I i'm not an expert in mental health i'm not a, a certified uh psychiatrist or anyone but it was such an eye opener when i spoke to so many people who yeah. are dealing with um, executive coaching, who are actually, uh, I spoke to, uh, I don't know if you know this guy, but his name is Jerry Colonna and he's based out of Silicon Valley. He sat on about 130 boards um, across his uh, career. He's written a book and he runs a farm um, startup that deals with startup founders, mental health. So, so he was super amazing. He's a, he's a rock star. He's one of the usual suspects of the VC community in Silicon Valley. Um, and he was, I mean, I was able to talk to him like I'm talking to you, uh, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would generally have, if, if you know, when you talk to someone and you, they've been at part of 130 boards, you, you generally have that sense of, okay, he must come with some sense of aura and you have to deal with yeah them certain way and you get into a conversation and you just gel with them straight at straight away and it was Good. so fascinating that conversation and well you told us you weren't afraid to walk in doors with big important people babe way back in your bar for <laughs> these days you can't let anything put you off like that you said that yeah <laughs> i feel like that with you like the, the 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 things that you've done i mean like i'm just totally i'm sat here thinking oh my god this guy is amazing like mm-hmm. so inspirational and you know, but but however, I feel like we can just we have connected and we we just you know we're just having a chat and you know you're just a normal guy sort of thing yeah. if that makes sense and um, which is amazing and I love that you know when you were talking about um, the help that you've invested into startups knowing that that you know you may not ever get anything out of it or there's no short term even long term gain but it's just that giving back. Um, which is amazing like it's just yeah incredible um, and then frankly actually this this actually um, is amazing as well because when I went to Jerry after the interview and finishing the writing the book and said Jerry can you endorse the book for me mm-hmm. and he, he came back with a, an amazing endorsement 
um he of course asked for the book and he read through the book and then basically gave came back with an amazing endorsement and i didn't know what to say it was like i i, I almost uh, broke down when i saw the endorsement <laughs> and i thanked him and he said i totally understand when you're looking up to someone and when they give you that kind of endorsement mm. it means so much to people and i've been there as well so i know what it means to you and okay. that is really what we need to keep that is exactly the treatment we need to pass on to the people who are coming yeah. up as well and that is really part of everybody's role here in in this community that yeah mm-hmm. so i think that was uh, again again coming back to the book um mental health was it's come across come i mean come together really well uh, i've spoken mm-hmm. to so many people so many entrepreneurs who actually dealt with it uh, who actually are dealing with it and i also have a, an example of where one of the forms one of the forms that i i know where the ceo committed suicide um due to depression Gosh. and we didn't even know about it until after so um how can the vc and community and advisory com- advisor community mm-hmm. how can they help uh support and 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 identify and treat these kind of scenarios I'm discussing all that in the book so it's come along mental health has come along quite well and then finally the strategy part and that was the part that actually had planned for the book um yeah i thought that when you mentioned it it was going to be more on that so piece. yeah it's interesting how all three aspects play such an important part yep. in the wider piece and yeah definitely be interested in in having a reader i'm sure I'll yeah definitely love the opportunity it's an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today so thank you so much for coming on Ari. If anyone wants to connect, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Twitter or LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn is good actually. LinkedIn yeah. would be best. Uh that's where I'm at the moment at least I'm quite active on Twitter um uh, on LinkedIn. I'm active on Twitter as well but not so much. Um Fantastic. I think we're going to have some um I think you have some uh, fans come out of this once um, when we get this podcast released. You got two Ellie and I will be yeah, you've got two already. <laughs> looking forward to reading some of your books and your listening to your podcasts and um yeah interesting just looking forward to hearing more about what's what's next for you and and how the next few years and so on go for you so thank you very much for coming on the podcast it's been really interesting really appreciate your time